0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash bball for eligibility deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University the show where we educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. We may have just witnessed the greatest weekend of football in the history of the NFL, Somehow each game escalated to the point where we saw each contest end on the final play of the game, the Titans couldn't capitalize on sacking Joe Burrow nine times. Aaron Rodgers couldn't get anything done against the Niners after the first drive of the game. Tom Brady almost did it again to the Rams and the Chiefs and Bills might just be the greatest football game. Ever played, So let me welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Of course, we're going to get into all these games and, and talk about where these teams that got eliminated go from here. But before we do that, we got to talk about Sean Payton really quick. After he announced yesterday that he was stepping down as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. Then there's this report from Mike Florio or excerpt from his book or whatever it is that... Peyton actually almost went to the Dallas Cowboys a couple years ago until Anthony Davis decided to leave the Pelicans and they didn't want it to look bad on the state of Louisiana and their organizations by having two guys leave who were tied to that ownership group. And so Peyton inevitably stayed. And now I feel like we have our answer on what was going on with Taysom Hill all this time. Like, it just feels like payback for Sean Payton not being able to go to the Dallas Cowboys. So your guys' thoughts on this? Where do the New Orleans Saints go? It seems like they've got to totally rebuild this thing from the bottom up.
1: I love the pettiness, man. I love just keeping that in his back pocket knowing that he was going to leave eventually, knowing that he could do so on his terms, which if you listen to the press conference, that's exactly what happened. And who knows if that's what really happened with Taysom Hill. But it's just hilarious that he was going out of his way to say – I don't think he named right, dropped Mike McCarthy, but he might as well have named dropped Mike McCarthy. And he was basically begging Jerry Jones to come get him. It was, it was a, a circus. But, I mean, as far as who replaces him – I don't know. Like, who's going to want to take that job? They're what, 72 million in the hole in cap space. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have any receivers, any healthy receivers. Yeah, they have a great defense, but defense is tough to sustain year over year, like defense success. So um, they've done a good job of it. Like, what is Dennis Allen going to do? Is he going to go get Joe Brady, bring him back? Uh, They can go a lot of different directions. But when you don't have money and you don't have a quarterback, uh, it's tough to it's tough to get people to want to come there. So. What do, you, what do you think happens, Justice?
2: An important thing to remember about the Saints is they're not like Bengals Raiders level of cash broke, right? Um, those are the always the examples that people bring up. But the Saints are a pretty small operation as far as NFL teams go. Um their stadium situation isn't the best. I know they got you know they sold the naming rights, uh, you know, uh to Caesars for a decent amount of money over a long period of time, but there's a lot of issues with this team, just like structurally from like a franchise perspective. Like we only have to go back a few years ago before, uh, you know, Gail Benson, or I, I think her uh, last name is Benson. I, I hope that's right. Um, she She got this team off of, you know, her third marriage and stuff. And the kids were pretty mad that, you know, they kind of weren't involved in this type of situation. So this is kind of new territory for the saints. And I think, you know, going back to uh, the Anthony Davis thing and how you have a guy running both an NFL team and an NBA team for you at the same, like that doesn't happen anywhere in sports other than, you know, with these franchises. So there's a lot of unique things. I think with new Orleans in general, I would say as far as the coaching search goes, like you just have to treat this like a full blown rebuild. I mean, there's no other way around it. The, the crazy thing is, you mentioned, you know, did, did Payton even name drop McCarthy? He did. He was in a weird way. He said he like threw his phone against the wall when Mike McCarthy was hired in Green that's Bay right. over him. Um, also, like he brought up, like, hey, I might just like be retiring for a year and then want to coach like by next season and stuff like that. And then Adam Schefter immediately comes out and is like, the Saints want compensation for Sean Payton if he ever does <laughs> unretire and gets traded to another team. Like that's very weird. Like we can all see what's happening here, right? Like, He's taking a year off. He's telling the Saints, no, you actually go have to hire someone else. When Mike McCarthy ends up falling on his face again, he's going to get all of the money from Jerry Jones. Um, you know, there's obviously ties there. I mean, if they were at the point where he was almost going to get traded to the Dallas Cowboys as their head coach. And but that that excerpt, too, you know, basically said, like, Jason Garrett wasn't going to get fired unless, you know, Jerry Jones knew that he could get Sean Payton. And then he ended up canning him and then wasn't able to get Sean Payton in the trade. And then it was like, well, dang. We, we actually have to go through a real coaching search now. Mm. um, So I thought, all oh, that's interesting. But what a mess, man. Like, how messy is this league right now? Everyone is leaking everything. I feel like we've never gotten such a good look at, like, what's happening behind closed doors as we have recently.
0: I know it's total speculation, but you're never going to be able to convince me that this Taysom Hill thing wasn't Sean Payton just giving two middle fingers to the organization for not wanting him to leave. Like now that this has come out that, that it makes all the sense in the world, because if you watch Taysom Hill this season, you were just like, what, why, why are you guys paying him so much money? Like what? He's a special teamer. Like, like he's a special teamer who, gadget player. What are, what are we doing here? It doesn't ever make any sense. And then you know, Michael Thomas, who, I think it can still be a good wide receiver, but he basically hasn't been healthy and played in two years. So I I don't even know. Last time we saw that guy healthy, he was one of the best wide receivers in football. And I I don't know if he's that guy anymore. So it, their defense is kind of like aging itself out a little bit here as well. So I I just don't see like where there's any cornerstone building blocks for them as a franchise. It's time to tear it down and, and figure it out and move forward because that era is over and and it kind of ended in spectacular fashion. And that offensive
2: line too is going to start, you know, Hey, they're going to have to find cap space. And some of those guys are probably going to come from, you know, the strengths of your team, just because you're paying them so much. Michael Thomas thing is interesting to me because there's a lack of trust there with the organization. We talked about this before, you know, in like September or whatever, but if he doesn't trust the medical staff, are you going to fire the entire medical staff? pay out all their contracts and then hire, hire new guys. Like, again, this is a pretty cash broke team. Like I know someone who's worked with the saints before that was like, yeah, they get mad. If you like take stuff out of the cafeteria, not like take it home, like take it out of the room. Like you got to oh keep the stuff. Yeah. Like the trays? Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, it's, like they're inventorying the trays. <laughs> yeah, man. Like it, it's that kind of a vibe there. Like the fact, one of the reasons I think Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis were able to have so much success is because of how kind of hands off that whole operation is, and because you know, even Sean Payton talked about it in the press where he's like, "Everything is working linearly, right?" And I think when you're such a small operation and you control so much, because there's only so so few people in power, that you're able to do that a little bit more easily. So, I think if you're New Orleans, the guy you want to look at, like I, I know everyone wants like the hot shot play caller, etc. I think if you're hiring a head coach to be a head coach of the New Orleans Saints, you want someone who's going to build a program, right? Like you want another guy who's like a Parcells type of guy. I think, you know, if if Dan Campbell didn't leave, you know, a year early, he probably would have been a really good hire for this team. Um, Who to look at now. I mean, that's as good of a guess as anyone. I mean, I'm just going to say Jim Caldwell. I, I Every team should hire Jim Caldwell, honestly, in my opinion. I mean, I, I think he's probably the best coaching, coaching uh, candidate out there. Um, he's wanted to be a head coach for the past couple of years. He just hasn't gotten the opportunity. Um, I, I really do think that he would be a good hire, but I don't think this team is going to pony up money for like a Jim Harbaugh or anything like that, so I don't know who they're going to
1: get. Well, that makes sense why it would be Dem- Dennis Allen, right, just because he's in-house. Yeah. Um, he's been the DC since has experience. Yeah, yeah. He knows, he knows everything about that organization. He knows how they want to operate. He was a head coach once upon a time, obviously he doesn't want to look back on those years, but I'm sure he gained some experience. It was a decade ago, so he should be wiser. And again, it's a money issue and they're not going to have to open up the checkbook for a, a name like Dennis Allen. Yeah.
0: We'll continue to monitor what the future looks like for the new Orleans saints, but Let's get into these football games. Uh, I think me and KP had a lot more fun this weekend than justice did. I want to start with the Niners and the Packers and the Niners defense was just absolutely exceptional in this game. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's like hats off. He was absolutely fantastic. He had a brilliant game plan to slow down the Packers offensively. So Let's start with a look at the Green Bay Packers. And I want to give you the floor here, Justice, to get, get, your, get your pain out, let out the emotions, whatever you've had building up in you over the last couple of days, because this was, a, this was a letdown by your Green Bay Packers.
1: Before he goes real quick, I want people to know that after the Packers lost, Justice was tweeting about trading for Derek Carr. That's how much pain he was in. And three first
2: round picks. That's the minimum. <laughs> I saw were. what sta- I I saw I saw what you got for uh Matthew Stafford. We can get three first round picks in Derek Carr. I also just tweeted recently, Ben Albright said that you know he wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Mariota signed with Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers walks. And hey man, as far as the bad options go, signing Marcus Mariota as a free agent or trading for Derek Carr is about as good as it's gonna get in Green Bay over the next year if if Aaron Rodgers does walk. Um Special teams. I mean, not just special teams. Everyone talks about special teams and then the people get mad and they're like, you're absolving Rogers of playing like crap. Rogers had like 80% completion percentage before the last two drives of that game. I thought San Francisco did one, a really good job of getting after the quarterback. They beat up on that offensive line all day. Um, They were able to limit explosive plays with their secondary, which I thought was a little surprising. They took like one shot at Josh Norman and they ended up missing that down the right sideline with Devontae, But what really mattered was the two special teams plays, you know, just getting the damn kick, just not, not blocking the inside lane guy, and then, uh, you know, the long snapper, just not blocking Jordan Willis at all, and then having that thing blocked. That swung 10 points in this game, and then, you know, when crunch time came down, Aaron Rodgers just didn't have it in the tank, and he just went hero ball, and he missed wide open guys. I mean, that last uh, heave to Devonta Adams where he throws it to him deep down, uh, the, I, it's like the right seam, He's double covered, right? He's totally clamped, totally bracketed. Um, the, the other two guys running routes on that play are just butt naked wide open. And, and I think that's the toughest thing. I ranked the pain earlier this week <laughs> of all the Packers playoff losses. I think this comes too, just because this, they shouldn't have lost this game. They shouldn't have lost this game. It shouldn't have been on Aaron Rodgers' shoulders. It shouldn't have been so obvious that the 32nd team in DVOA on special teams would lose a game because of special teams like – these issues should have been resolved earlier this season, and they simply didn't do it. And Lafleur came into the press conference on Monday, and he was like, "Uh, you know what? We actually have been so busy. We haven't really even had time to think about if, you know, we're going to fire the special teams coach. No one wants to hear that. And then after the game on Sunday, or was it Sunday or Saturday? I'm, I'm, Big I am it you know, on Saturday. It Saturday. <sighs> feels like a year, KP. It feels like a year. On Saturday, he was like, well, obviously I got to like start, you know, being more hands on with the special teams units. Like, of course mm. you should have been. There's another thing we talk about with like how money operates with franchise and stuff like Green Bay isn't a rich team by any means. Um, They don't have a billionaire owner to be able to kind of like fund some of the things. Lafleur wanted to hire Rizzi, Um, from, you know, he ended up signing as special teams coordinator with the uh, New Orleans Saints. The Packers balked at a $1.5 million contract for a coordinator. And then they ended up having the 32nd DVOA in the league in special teams and ended up losing because of said special teams. So, great. You saved, what, like a half a million dollars and you ended up getting sent home after an MVP season where you had the number one seed without a playoff win? Congrats. Good job, Mark Murphy.
1: Well... Um, the 49ers special teams has been a disaster all season. Kyle Shanahan, essentially. Different class,
2: different class. This (laughs) Packers team is, I'm going to have a post on APC at some point when I get through the film of just like all the mess ups and you guys are going to be shocked because it's going to be like 18,000 words.
1: So, I mean, geez. (laughs) So, I mean, on the last play of the game, if Robbie Gold would have missed that field goal, they probably would have got another chance to kick the field goal because they didn't have enough players on the field. That is tough to do. Yeah, that is pretty tough to do. And and I bring up the 49ers special teams because they've lost games because of their special teams this year. Like Kyle Shanahan essentially hired one of his homies out of college, and he is their special teams coordinator. He's been with Shanahan in Houston, Washington, Cleveland, all along the way, and he's not good. But for them to make the plays that they did against the Packers and special teams – so you mentioned the block punt where – Essentially, Jordan Willis. Hey, you remember that name? Uh, I do. He was, he, we
2: earlier this year, this is terrible. When the Packers beat San Francisco, we read your worst tweets. And one of your worst oh, tweets right. was like, Jordan Willis is going to be a top 10 pick. And then Jordan Willis comes back and just ruins my season. This is disgusting.
1: The writers ne- are absurd this year. Never wrong. Just early. Um, So that happened, and he makes the long snapper essentially look like a 10-year-old. That's You don't see that at the the professional level. You have Debo Samuel, who they just were like, hey, we need to play. We're going to need you to go get this kick return. He takes a kick return back 45 yards. That hasn't happened all season. Like, Yes, you're going to put Debo back there, but he's never really had a a return over 20 yards. Um, They blocked a field goal at the end of the half. So the Packers don't get points. On a drive where they had a 75 or 76 yard completion. Yep. Again, that's not normal. That's
2: not. When Kyle Shanahan called a timeout for him right before that play. Yes. To give him the time to be able to go down and clock that. Yeah. I mean, disgusting. Terrible. Like a gut punch. I, I know it wasn't like a down to the wire, crazy shootout, crazy collapse, like the uh, 2014 nfc championship game which shouts to secret base did you see they put out the video of the 2014 nfc championship game like yesterday they were and just waiting that? on the packers loss oh, okay. I, i'm gonna strangle Stephen godfrey i'm gonna do it um just ter- this is a gut punch and it feels like it's over because like you hear him talk about after the game and like the whole tone of the season was rogers being like everything feels different right like the GM is aligned with kind of my thoughts. I'm involved in these conversations. Like, we can actually build something here. We're having good conversations. And now it's like, well, next year's team, because they're $40 million over the cap, uh over the cap, you know, they're the second highest uh, cap total behind only the New Orleans Saints. Like, you're only going to bring back a worse version of this team next year. And if this team wasn't good enough to get out of the divisional round, what's the point of running it back at that point,
1: right? Yeah, they're probably going to have- I imagine, I don't know the backers cap space, but they're probably going to lose somebody important. Right. And gonna knowing lose a lot that, of guys who are important, <laughs> right, Jordan
2: love right. is going to have like a top eight cap hit on the roster next year.
1: Oh baby. So this was it. Like this was their time. This was their chance. And this is why Rogers probably knew that too. This is why all the hashtag last dance was happening in the offseason. Um, yeah, they came up short. And to say they came up short is putting it mildly because they blew it. And I know you said it wasn't, you know, as bad as that NFC championship, but the 49ers didn't score a touchdown on offense, man. You can't lose that game when that happens. Their offense has not been good in the playoffs. It seemed like Jimmy had could have had, you know, three, three passes where the Packers could have caught. If they would just have just had their helmets up looking for the ball, um, just you can go down the list of the things that the 49ers did to give the Packers a game and the Packers didn't take it, yeah, you can't do that. One seed at home after saying all year, like, hey, we got our home game. It's going to run through us. We're going to win. The
2: fans are finally back in the stands. Lambo weather, Lambo mystique. So hard to play in Lambeau. Like, th- this was a thing, like, through, like, the Vic. I, I feel like the Lambo mystique stuff happened, like, through the Vic loss. And then as soon as Vic beat him, it was just like, yeah, no doesn't matter. There's no home field advantage anymore in, in Lambeau in the playoffs, and it's makes me sick to my stomach. I want to go through these uh, names. I'm currently running a bracket for the uh, best Aaron Rodgers nicknames on my Twitter account. we still got a couple hours to vote, so by the time this goes up on the uh, the streams, people will be able to vote on at least the first round, if not in the second round. You guys got to tell me which one's your favorite, right? Throw Rogan. Let's go Brandon Whedon. Pitch McConnell. Chucker Carlson. Rush Lambeau. Vinnie Testa positive, QB Giuliani, and Breitbart Bart Star. Which one do you guys got winning?
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Chucker Carlson is amazing. That's my Carlson and Vinnie Testa positive made me scream. <sighs> oh my
0: god. Yeah. I I, I like Chucker Carlson or Rush Rush Lambeau is good too. They're all, all of those are winners, yeah. It's that's I that's the thing too, that I, I think has to make this season sting a little bit more is that it was supposed to be that kind of season. Aaron Rodgers is going to go win back to back MVPs and finally get back to another Super Bowl. But then he's out here saying what he's saying every week on the Pat McAfee show or whatever, and like going out of his way to just publicly be a disagreeable person. And Then to be like, everyone was rooting against us because of my personal vaccination status. And it's like all of that culminated into like, yeah, we kind of were. We were rooting against you because you were making it so easy to dislike you. And then on top of that, like you talk about football teams and you got to coach three phases of football. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say that was quite literally the worst special teams playoff game. Ever like that. They lost that game because of special teams.
2: I, I think uh, they, they ran the numbers at football outsiders and they said it's like top three since like the 80s, like any game special teams ever. So, yeah, I mean, that just a complete collapse. And that was already on top of a season where they were last in the league in, in DVOA and in special teams. So
1: so yeah, real quick terrible. on a, uh Chucker Carlson here, because it didn't seem like he wanted to get hit. And I'm not saying, you know, he's playing scary in the pocket. But when you mentioned playing hero ball, we mentioned just kind of heaving it down the field, once they started to get after him a little bit, he kind of changed. And I know you said he had a high completion percentage, and I'm not taking that away. But it seemed like there were instances where he would rather, hey, get it out of my hands because I'm not going to hit the ground right now. And even on a couple of times where it looked like, you know, Obviously, he's at this age. He's not the same Rodgers he once was, but um, he he might have been able to take off. And he was just, like, not as willing to. And that's why I think a lot of his numbers weren't as good as they could have been. But he, I think it is fair to point out that Rodgers does deserve some of the blame for this. So I, I rewatched – I watched the
2: All-22, I think, on Monday. Um, and I, I went into the game kind of thinking the same thing. Have you seen the All-22, KB? yeah. I thought a lot of the checkdowns were the right calls. Like his guys just weren't open downfield. Like Aaron Jones getting 10 targets or whatever he ended up getting. Like there's very few of them that you look at and you're like, ah, that wasn't the right thing to do. Or he, you know, that the right side of the line was getting their butt kicked. And that's something that really surprised me going into the game. So you remember the first Niners uh, Packers matchup. Yash Nyman is the third string left tackle because, uh, what was it? Elton Jenkins got hurt and Bakhtiari, obviously, like he's played like 28 snaps the entire season. um Josh Nyman came off the bench and people were like, all right, I guess he's going to have to go. And he did a really good job. Um, he's a pretty good pass protector, um, kind of like a dancing bear type, not really like a downhill kind of like run blocker. I guess I would say he's not a people mover, but he can protect you in the pocket. Right. They had him on the bench. They played Billy Turner at left tackle. And when it came up, um, Matt LaFleur said, you know, Billy Turner didn't take a snap. I left tackle during the bye week. And the reason for that is they assumed that David Bakhtiari was going to be able to go. So they reshuffled their entire offensive line. They moved Billy Turner from right tackle to left tackle, brought in the backup right tackle in Dennis Kelly, who got his butt beat the entire game by Joey Bosa, instead of playing Josh Nyman, who was you know looked good last time around. So that was kind of weird. And then they also, you know, didn't play Royce Newman, the rookie, who's I think like uh he he played, he started. 16 games i think he started every game until the lions game at the end of the season um and he was on the bench so like you have two guys who are contributors for this team in terms of pass blocking um newman struggled a little bit against stunts and stuff but i think there was a better offensive line situation out there that you you could have you know thrown out in terms of the lineup and they just simply didn't they they wanted to get dennis kelly out there so that they could run the ball more and then they got 60 yards running the ball in Lambeau weather when they didn't they weren't behind at all during regulation. It wasn't time it wasn't until the uh, clocks
1: hit zero. So
2: just maybe, a disappointment, uh,
1: man. Maybe Shanahan's real um hero is just being able to find defensive guys and not offensive guys. You know, maybe LaFleur is just not that guy. Maybe D'Amico Ryan's Robert Sala. Um his tree is the defense maybe
2: a defensive played game. good settled
0: down and... settled down.
2: The <laughs> Niners didn't score anything the off offensive
0: offense. guys. And what it comes down to is Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't even need to throw touchdown passes to, Dude, find Jimmy, race to the win fact
2: games. the last six quarters of Jimmy Garoppolo got them to the NFC championship game is insane to me. Coach That's of the insane. year, baby. Coach of the year. They're going to get smoked by the Rams. They're going to get destroyed. So, if, if, the, if the 49ers defensive line doesn't
0: go off like they went off against the Packers, they're going to get smoked. So I, I want to talk about the Niners for a second here because, you know, they do one thing. I feel like you can say uh, about this regime is like they do have a, a style of uh, player that they like to draft, offensively, defensively, in the way that they've gone about building this roster. Like they are just a big physical football team, and, and that's how they kind of want to uh, approach the game. And that's you know. Kittle Debo Samuel on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Nick, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, like those playmakers are, are just physical freak type of NFL players. And, you know, going into this football game, I was thinking, it's, you know, Aaron Rodgers is just going to test that secondary. I I, I think that he's going to, he's going to push them and he's going to the over on Alan Lazard. Fans. Alan Lazard got yeah, one target one
2: and, I, and I got the over, I put $60 on, on 39 and a half when MVS was ruled out. I was like, Alan Lazard's going to go off. They're going to have to double Devante. They got no one else who can cover. I mean, Alan
0: Lazard's just going to eat. And then he just, he doesn't get a look at all the entire game. Yeah, it was just, I, I think some of it was on Rodgers, but. Like the 49ers defensive game plan, like you got to bring that the rest of the way because you can't rely on Jimmy G. And it was incredible. Like it, it was just incredibly impressive to watch them do that to the Green Bay Packers.
1: Yeah, I think the good news is the defense has played that well and not like to historic levels against the hall of fame quarterback, but they, they really have been one of the better units uh, the past month or so they did in the second half against the Rams. They, they did a really good job of shutting back down. And obviously what they did after the first drive against the Packers. And even in the first drive, it's not like, you know, they're getting gassed. They're just missing tackles. They're kind of guessing wrong on some of the runs up the middle. So um, it didn't really seem the, like the Packers were going to sustain success. Then they come back on the second drive and, and you're like, Oh, maybe they really are going to do this. And then, the force fumble, and then after that they kind of realized this is who we are. You know, we are good, and then from there the, their good players took over because, you know, as as much as we want to talk about D'Amico Ryans, who has been incredible, they have some unreal players on that side of the ball, and when you can have guys who can dominate at every level, you are going to be good on defense. So, I mean, that's why I do think they they will uh, be fine against the Rams.
2: If if Jimmy takes them to a Super Bowl, what happens with Trey Lance? My my team might not need a might need a quarterback, so I'm kind of interested in this. Uh, you have a
1: quarterback, and you will develop him like the rest of us. <laughs> nah,
2: no thanks. I, I'd rather I'd rather go a different route. Rodgers for Lance. He says no. Oh
1: man, I'm sure Shanahan would take that, but um, that's a great question. There is we're four quarters away from Jimmy Garoppolo being in a in a Super Bowl for the second time in three years when he probably isn't going to do much in the nfc championship if they do win like he's he's gonna have what one or two drives where he does something really well probably at the end of the half or in the, the game but outside of that because we have a lot of evidence saying that he's either gonna turn the ball over and miss a guy or do something where you're like come on man seriously and the fact that they can still get by with that i think just speaks to the talent on this team and, th- and i want to be clear that there is a lot of fortune that have gone in their favor this season um think about it they, if they don't come back from 17 against the rams they're not here at the very end of the year um i mean you can just go game by game by game they probably don't belong here and you can do the whole destiny team of faith whatever you want to but uh, again just the fact that they've been able to overcome so many things just it it i think it speaks to this season and how the season really doesn't make any sense
0: I did see that Jimmy's shoulder injury was no longer on the injury report. So he's healthy. He's still got the hand thing, Only but one his injured. shoulder is healthy. is healthy going into this football game.
2: That is he going after to be determined game, based he, on a turnover. They asked him after the game how he feels. He was like, oh, it feels great. I'm like, oh, I hate this guy. I hate this guy so much. One, one more thing I want to touch on um, real quick, just because I think it matters. Uh, in the context of this game and kind of moving forward, So David Bakhtiari wasn't able to play, you know, basically this whole season. He got a couple snaps against the Detroit Lions. That was it. Um, Had an ACL injury, non-contact injury on New Year's Eve uh, last season. Um, They just came out with – he he had a sit-down talk with Aaron Nagler with uh, Cheesehead TV, and they were able to kind of talk about, like, what's really gone on here now that, you know, the season is over because they were so hush-hush about what went on. It sounds like Bakhtiari's knee is not a structural issue at all. It's just like he's just like getting fluids in his knee constantly. Like they're having to drain like four ounces of fluid out of his knee every day. Um, He's had a quote in there saying like a nurse said, you know, we've never drained so much fluid out of a knee before. And he's like, what am I supposed to say to that? Like, cool. Thanks. Like, (laughs)
1: like. So so imagine hearing that and thinking you're going to go on to field. like imagine what it does up here having to hear that that's imagine oh. being the head coach of the green Bay Packers
2: and not having Billy Turner take a single snap at left tackle during the bye week, because you think that that guy's going to be able to play like, <laughs> dude, it doesn't seem like it. he's had two surgeries. He had a follow up on it just to clean it out a little bit, nothing structurally, but man, this guy is basically on the first, he basically just finished the first year of his four year, uh, $92 million extension. Um, Their dead cap is 39 million if they want to move him away. So they can't even move. They can't do anything with box contract as it stands right now. He's still going to have a $23 million cap hit next season. And yeah. And doc McKenzie who like is like the ACL guy, right? Like he's the guy that everyone talks about with like your dude gets hurt. You send him to doc McKenzie. He's the, he's the Packers uh, team doctor and doc McKenzie is like, I'm dude, I don't know what the issue is. Like, it's not a structural thing like we try to fix it and like his knee just keeps like inflating like a balloon and there's nothing that we can really do about it right now so hopefully that gets better moving forward but like that could be a huge deal man like if if this guy plays 28 snaps and he doesn't end up looking right and this issue doesn't go away and it ends up being 28 snaps on a 92 million dollar contract like that that's going to be like one of the worst deals ever. And like, those are the type of things cap wise that green Bay is working against, right? Not beyond Devondre Campbell being a free agent, Russell Douglas being a free agent, uh, Devonte Adams being a free agent, Aaron Rodgers being on the last year of his deal where his cap number is just astronomical. Like all of those things are in play. Yeah. It's tough to cook the books when you're working with that. And they feel, they feel like the post double doink bears, and the post Super Bowl Falcons, in terms of being able wow. to, you, you're you're already paying the stars so much money that you're really gonna have to go in like stars and scrubs mode. So like, Guderhunst, man, buddy, you better nail down that draft board,
0: nail it. So we'll keep an eye on the Packers off season. Uh, I, I'm sure it's going to be a wild one as we monitor what happens there with their cap situation, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, all of that stuff. I want to get into the incredible football game between the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills that lived up to the hype in a way that football games don't always live up to the hype. 25 points scored in the final two minutes of regulation to force overtime in this game. Patrick Mahomes got them in the field goal range with 13 seconds left on the clock. Him and Josh Allen were both just absolutely exceptional playing as uh, high of a level as you're ever going to see any two quarterbacks play against each other in a football game this was whether you're fans of the chiefs or the buffalo bills this was jump up and down and scream in my apartment just because this is an absolute insanity like this is just an absolutely nuts football game between these two teams and I told you guys last week, like I thought the bills were going to win this and they absolutely did everything they possibly could have to win this football game. At the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes just did things that people aren't supposed to do.
1: I think when the NFL made all these rule changes to favor the offense, like this is what they had in mind. This was the best case scenario, just because think about the pace, uh, think about the throws that you made downfield, the throws you saw downfield Um, probably two of the best arms in the sport. I mean, top two top three top four the things that these quarterbacks were able to do and were able to get away with and the fact that we were just like yeah yeah they did it we're we're so used to mahomes being great that we sleep on a lot of his greatness and i don't think we should do that man because he's incredible uh he's a he's a lot better athlete than given credit for because of what he does with his arm and then i mean on the other side josh allen I don't know when he did this because at one point this year we were talking about like is he like was last year a one year wonder was that was last year just a flash in the pan and sure enough he he was coming on strong coming on strong and he plays well last week obviously but what he was the way he looked last week is like oh he's here to stay like he's the real deal he is really freaking good and going back to Mahomes the Bills. I don't think they're as good as like the number one defense people were propping up to be, but they're a team that really doesn't make a lot of mistakes and they were making mistakes against Mahomes. And I think that just tells you uh, how dangerous they are. Did you guys see the clip after the game or it was recently posted about Travis Kelsey just talking about, Hey, we should do this. Hey, we should do that. Hey, if you do this and everything he said was work, like worked, it's almost like he was speaking it into uh, existence. It, it was a fun game in the sense of high talent, a lot of offense, a lot of points, um, I feel like a lot of the overtime talk distracted us from that. It distracted us from probably being the greatest game that we've seen. I think this was better than the Chiefs and the Rams a few years ago. But yeah, I, we're not going to see another game like that in a long time, I imagine. This felt like the AFC Championship game, right? I
2: was watching this and I was like, whoever wins this is. They're definitely beating the Bengals. Like, at all, probably. They're, yeah, they're definitely beating the. Yeah, I mean, if it's Niners, I mean, they're going to be. JBG jeez hanging tough, was, baby. Was going to be a five-point favorite the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, this game was really fun. Did you see, uh, the, Steven? You got to you got to talk to me about this. Was the Chiefs fan who well, I saw there was like a TikTok that that someone posted on Twitter the Chiefs fan who got a grand and then ran onto the field. Was that the same
0: guy who got tackled? uh i don't know if that's the same guy I, I saw the video of him getting tackled but like somebody gave this guy a thousand dollars in cash and then he ran on the field
2: i it's guess that's what jail? it looked like in the tiktok yeah he was he was like he basically it was a guy filming and he tells his buddy he's like hey thousand dollars you go run on the field right now and then the very next clip is just uh stefan dick or uh uh crap my brain. It was the fun thing. I tricked myself Diggs, on the digs. just threw a shoulder at him. Yeah, he just he clocked him, and then yeah. uh, what's his name, Deion Dawkins or whatever, just grabbed the dude's shoe and just threw it to the sideline. He's like, "No, you don't get your shoe anymore."
0: Yeah, I I saw the video of Digs just square that dude up and take him out. Uh, I did not see. Is the, he a better I,
2: corner than his brother? Let's start the discourse oh. now.
0: Maybe a he better tackler. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was just insane. Like, yeah, I agree with KP. I don't think we're ever going to see a football game like that replicated again. And you know, going into it, the Bills defense, I get they were number one DVOA defense in the NFL this season. But the argument, the competition and who had tested them, there's still a really good defense. But from the very first snap of the game for the Chiefs and, and really Josh Allen, too, you could see like. These guys were both playing at another level. And what it reminded me of is, you know, with the bills and what I started to think about during that game is what we've accused the Chiefs of over the last couple of years, which is kind of sleepwalking through the regular season because you're just so good that you can win games that way and then really turning it on in the playoffs. That's what I kind of felt like when I was watching Josh Allen, because I was like, you you scored six points against the Jags earlier this year. (laughs) Like what is going on right now? And it kind of felt like maybe that was, you know, the bills made it to an AFC title game last year. And they were like, we're, we're not good enough. We gotta, we gotta get more pass rushers. We gotta be able to put more pressure and we gotta play better defense. And so they went and drafted a bunch of guys on that side of the ball to try to beef that unit up. And they did. But then Patrick Mahomes just said, I'm going to use my legs in a way that I haven't used my legs this season. I'm going to make you guys remember how mobile I am. And no matter how much pressure you put on me, I'm just going to escape it and keep finding ways to make plays. And they both did it. Jo- Josh Allen's the best running quarterback. I-, I think like physically since Cam Newton in his prime, like that, that dude is just when absolutely unstoppable like
2: on first and 10. You're like, what the heck?
1: You got to no defend
2: shot. this all three downs you had, like you young, no right?
1: shot. So I, I, I'm glad you guys brought that up because that's where I was going to go next. You can tell when a player's locked in and when they kind of flip a switch and Dayball, pretty much giving the ball to Allen on the early downs tells you that, all right, this is my guy and you're not going to be able to stop him. Some of those fourth downs that he was converting where he, you know, pumped it ran to the sideline and just kind of ran through guys. We don't see that, man. That's not normal. And again, like, because it happens so often in that game, I feel like we we didn't get a chance to really appreciate the plays that both of those guys are making. Mahomes is I tweeted this the most the the most unathletic athletic person that I've ever seen. He is he can run, but it looks like he can't run. Like he can get up to top. He looks like quickly. he's running with a beer can in his hand and he's that's, trying not to spill it. Like, yeah, that's like he's waddling, it like. man. It's yeah. hilarious. But he's moving fast. Like he's running away from dudes, and I feel like. Um, the longest scramble that he had last game was the first time where I kind of saw him like put his head down and try to push into another gear. Like, oh, Pat's like trying this game, man. So it, w- it was awesome to see. But again, yeah, I think, I don't know if we see that again. Uh, I feel like moving forward to the next game. So now they have Kelsey uh, who's not coming off the COVID list. And I, I just think they're going to, they might drop 50 on the Bengals, man.
2: Steven, do you think the Blake Bell – third down where he was running oh. the option do you think that's because mahomes got rolled up on that one time on the the qb sneak? because i can't think of any other reason why you would not have patrick
0: mahomes under center on a third on the third down like so, it just doesn't make sense to me a hundred percent andy doesn't do quarterback sneaks anymore
2: like since it's just like that happened since, one time you broke my quarterback yeah, never again since
0: that one play where patrick mahomes dislocated his kneecap on a quarterback sneak andy reed does not run that many how long like they, ago was that? That was in 2019. Think um, about that. <laughs> yeah, like that. He he just simply does not run them anymore, and it is frustrating because even when they ran that play, I was like, "All right, Andy, like come on, I know you're dialing things up, and you've been incredible so far this game, but like just give it to Clyde. Like Clyde only had a few carries, and he was breaking off 20 yard runs. Like that's and what Clyde's Blake called. missed
2: the pitch read too, which yeah. is the worst part. Where it's like, hey, here's what we're not gonna do. Have our second string tight end go under center and then mess up the option play. And we're going to lose a playoff game because of it. Like that, that would have been a terrible ending. Like,
1: no, we got to come up with
2: something better than that. Don't get that cute.
1: When they threw the ball to Clyde, he like ducked under one tackle. Like, where's this been? Who is this guy? So maybe it was, you know, the right time. But what, what do you think about Jarek McKinnon? Because this guy out of nowhere has been like their legit RB one. And we talked about a little bit last week where, Crazy what happens when you have a running back who can create in space, and uh, he he's taken, he's helped. Obviously, this this offense is already on another level, but they're just so much better with him in the lineup.
0: It's they have to get another pass catching guy who's got that kind of like explosion because Clyde just doesn't have that in my opinion like he's just when you watch him run like he just doesn't have that type of explosiveness and they've never really utilized him in the passing game that way and and part of it I think is he's just a bad pass blocker and so he's never used been used that way in his time here in Kansas City and so it's always kind of been Daryl who they use, but he was hurt out last week. Jarek McKinnon came in, had been on IR for most of the season. And it's like, this is a dimension of their offense. They totally unlocked with Jarek McKinnon. And it's incredible to watch because I I've been missing that part of Andy Reed's play calling for a long time. Like, the screens that he dials up. They That's what I was going to say. It's the screens. So, where yeah. Best,
1: screen, like, best Ty- screen caller in the game,
0: man. Tyreek on jet he's...
2: motion. And, uh, you know, Jarek McKinnon, you can take it to the yeah. house on a screen. Like, that petrifies you, man.
0: It was a staple of the Alex Smith offense. And they've missed it for a little bit. And I think Andy just kind of was like, oh, Pat can just, you know, do whatever I wanted to do anyway. So he wasn't that worried about it. And then this season and the way defenses started approaching that and playing them, it kind of forced them to adapt to the point where Patrick Mahomes is basically running the Alex Smith offense. He's just doing it as Patrick Mahomes. And so you're seeing how devastating that version of that offense can be with a quarterback like him instead of a quarterback like Alex Smith. It's been incredible to watch.
2: Well, getting a good talent running those kind of, not to call it training wheel offenses, but training wheel offenses. I mean, Rodgers isn't running anything that, that is that different than what you know Shanahan or McVay is doing, right? And we see what the product is. The difference between Jared Goff running that and Jimmy Garoppolo running that and Aaron Rodgers running it is Aaron wins back to back MVPs and they win 13 games a year,
0: you know, consistently. Yeah, it's it, it, it's been incredible to watch. I don't think they should like give Jared McKinnon another contract or anything No, uh, no. because that dude can't stay healthy. Why
2: didn't they have Jared McKinnon under center? He was an option quarterback in college. He sure was.
0: Yeah. I, Too obvious. He, he ran the damn option. Blake, yeah. uh,
2: Blake Bell, I saw him play at Oklahoma. He never went under center. Never once.
0: It's a- Andy loves the tight ends under center too for some reason he's done it with Travis Kelsey several times Travis Kelsey threw a touchdown pass in that divi- or in the wild card game against the Steelers like he loves the tight end under center I, I don't know why that's his thing so it's, I'm sure he got too
2: cute he he got he got that one passing touchdown to dumb Terry Poe
0: and then was like I can do anything.
1: Yeah. Well, are, Kelsey threw a TD drawing. last week under center, right? Yeah.
0: But the so, last time, the last time they let Kelsey actually throw a pass, he's been under center multiple times. The last time they let him throw a pass was a few years ago against the Giants, where he just uncorked one and it didn't have a chance and just got intercepted. <laughs> and so they just they just stopped letting him throw it until that playoff game when Andy was really feeling himself. So. Can't say chiefs move on they take on the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh let's take a quick timeout but when we get back we'll get into that Bengals Titans game here on NFL University.
1: I have some exciting news for you class. Your time starts now. NFL Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one.
0: Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Breaking down all these divisional playoff games and everything that happened in them and kind of projecting what these teams look, are going to look like moving forward and, and the teams that advanced on in the NFL playoffs. The Cincinnati Bengals took down the Tennessee Titans. As I already mentioned, it also came down to a a late game field goal. Um, The Bengals won this game, but they weren't necessarily super impressive offensively. They they did enough uh, against a team in the Tennessee Titans that I think we all had plenty of doubts about and, and didn't think they were truly the number one team in the AFC but the Titans did sack Joe Burrow nine times and put all kinds of pressure on him throughout the day. I, I think it I think when you look into it, though, it was just Tennessee's offense hasn't been that good this year. T- T- Ryan Tannehill has struggled quite a bit this year. Derek Henry was back and he had 20 carries, but he just couldn't get anything going. I I felt like the Titans were leaning a little too much on. Derrick Henry's back and he's the key to unlocking this entire thing and us going on a Super Bowl run or something like that.
1: I lost so much money
0: on Ryan Townhill
1: this weekend, man. <sighs> no, what a, you did you did what a disaster. I thought
2: Richard Johnson was the only guy who put money on on the Titans. We were making fun of him in the group chat the entire time. The the so, weird thing about the the Derrick Henry thing, right? Is Deontay Foreman was able to get hundred yards like regularly. Like I don't know why we could. Right, and he was the one who had the long run in this game. So, like, I don't know why we thought he would take the step up. I really didn't like this Titans team. I I, I thought the Bengals were going to win coming to this. I think, you know, if the Raiders would have been in the spot, they could have won. Tannehill played terrible. I know everyone wants to talk about how sloppy the offensive lines look, but, like, Tannehill is the guy who really, like, stood out like a sore thumb. Other than, you know, the Packers – uh, the, the Packers Niners game, where both of the quarterbacks were having a rock fight, like Tannehill had the worst game of the weekend. I thought
1: so. I didn't watch that game and come away thinking the offensive line is the reason the Titans lost. I didn't watch that game thinking maybe if they, you know, played Foreman more, they would have won. I watched that game thinking if Tannehill could just complete a freaking pass, <laughs> they would, they would have won. He missed early in the game. They took a shot down the field. AJ Brown's running like five yards behind the cornerback and he overthrows him by like a mile. That's a think about it. Stafford hit that on third and 20 um, in the playoffs. Those are the throws that you have to make if you want to win. And he just wasn't giving these guys a chance. He was throwing slants like down in the dirt and his receivers are going to have to go down and get it. Like even to bail him out, So you're not even getting yards after the catch is something that they predicate on. Um, He just, yeah, the the interception near the goal line on a screen when you're throwing it near the line of scrimmage and the DB catches it in stride. Um, He turned it over again later in the game. He just didn't look good. And I I don't know. It was was weird. I thought the the Titans would win because they have the better coach and Vrabel for, I think, over the course of the season, it seemed like whenever I watched the Titans, he was always pressing the right buttons. And I felt like on the other side of the ball, the Bengals coach Zach Taylor is—I have some strong thoughts about him. But I feel like he is a guy who goes out of his way to hold the Bengals back. I guess is the, the best way I can put it. And for whatever reason, the Titans couldn't make him pay because if you watch the defensive line all game, like they were killing the Bengals up front. And again, another part that of right side the of the game, line.
2: every time
1: burrow needs hazard pay this is disgusting he he's having to throw and turn his back man to protect himself like that is not okay but that was happening a lot and jeffrey simmons on the inside was just wearing them out so i thought that was going to happen all game and i I thought they were going to be able to limit the Bengals from you know the big plays and of course you know chase was able to break one but it, it really comes back to Tannehill. you just can't you can't play that poorly and expect to win and that's exactly what happened
2: to your point on taylor I watched this game. I rewatched it on all 22 and it's still the same issues of their disjointed offense. They go under center to run. They go in the gun to pass. Um, That was kind of after the Mercedes Lewis fumble, that was kind of the issue with green Bay too. Cause if you don't have a great offensive line and you're going against at at the very least solid pass rushers and they know when you're in the gun, you're going to be passing. You're already giving them a cue. Right? Yeah. So like you look at the right side of the line in this Bengals game, and there's no reason why you're wondering, like, hey, why are these all, all three of those pass rushers going off? Why is Hair Landry looking pretty good? Um, when Bosa's doing the same thing to Dennis Kelly, and it's like, how how does he know the pass is get, you know, it's gonna be a pass? Why is he setting so hard in the backfield? It's like if your offense is so disjointed in that way and you're not balanced in the way kind of these Shanahan type of offenses are, like, that's gonna kill you. I I, I think the other thing too that I came away thinking is like. Burrow's that dude, man. Remember earlier in the season when um, Joey Bosa was talking about Derek Carr, and he basically said, like, hey, man, you hit that guy a couple times, he starts acting different, right? Burrow took so many damn, like, hard hits. These weren't scrambles that were, like, minus one-yard line. He ran out of bounds, right? Like, he was getting clocked, and he kept fighting. I don't think this team is going to beat Kansas City, just because I don't think they have enough talent, frankly. But Joe Burrow is like that dude. I, I think that mentality is going to take him like a real long way.
1: Real quick on Taylor, after Chase broke that one in the first quarter, he gave him the reverse on the next play. What are you doing, man? Like, when have you ever seen that happen or be successful doing that? So that just tells you uh, the type of coach that Taylor is. But yeah, real quick on Burrow, he's he's phenomenal, man. He's exceptional. He. It's tough to it's tough when you get hit that often to not be flinched or to not be phased. But it I don't want to say he's been normalized to it or he's expecting it, but to be able to bounce back time after time after time and still, you know, put your offense in the right position and still be able to play like win mentally before the snap and post snap. He he is a very good quarterback and and he should be recognized as such. And he carries himself that way too. It's it's That's not
2: body. even just on the field, it's off the field, right? And you hear all the stories about him at LSU where he's like MFing like NFL DBs basically in practice, like his first year just getting bullied there and stuff like that. And I don't know, man, like he, he's a little I, I didn't realize it was going to be like this. I think part of it is because LSU's offensive line was pretty solid, um, you know, in the SEC. And then last year, he just didn't have really any. He didn't have chase. Right. So like what, what kind of flash that a slant isn't going to go however long that that chase play went. So I think there were some missed things on the evaluation, you know, coming out. I think the people who liked him compared him to like Romo or like Dak. And he might be playing at a higher level than either of those guys have played. And this is coming from a guy who once, you know, Dak, the beginning of the season when he was, you know, injured and stuff like that, I was like, he could operate like Drew Brees, but obviously that ended up falling down as the season went along. Um, Joe is like that dude. Yeah.
1: Joe Burrow is proof that momentum is real. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah.
0: His confidence is just like on another level. Like when you watch his press conferences and the way he speaks to the media, the way he talks about his team, like you're like that dude is undoubtedly the leader of that football team. Like he leads that team. He is the face of their franchise and he just stays calm, cool and collected. And I do think if the Bengals number one priority this offseason has to be spend on the offensive line, invest in that offensive line and get him some protection and, you know, sprinkle in some defensive pieces because their defense isn't terrible, but it's not great either. That team is going to be a problem in the AFC, and they've got a good chance of being a problem in the AFC. Zach Taylor might hold that back. We'll see. Oh, He will. But. We, But they got to recognize this window. I mean, Chase and Burrow
2: are on rookie contracts right now. Like, all in. All in. All in right now.
0: Yeah, and T. Higgins is a stud. Uh, Joe Mixon is a very good running back. Like, you get an offensive line, and this offense should be able to give you a, a lot more problems. And we've already seen glimpses of it this season, despite Zach Taylor's weird play calling. So... Cincinnati Bengals, I do think that they're going to have some problems against the Kansas City Chiefs this week. It does feel like they're a season ahead of where they should be making an AFC title game this early, but sometimes that's just the way it goes in the NFL, and I don't really know where the Titans go from here. you got to figure out what you're going to do with Ryan Tannehill, I suppose. The the Bengals have the third most cap space heading into this offseason,
1: so they should just throw the bag at every veteran offensive lineman. Yes. Like Ryan Jensen is a free agent. Pay him as much money as you want. You so remember, Mike Hilton said, I don't know when it was, but he said like Joe Burrow made me want to come here. So maybe that becomes a destination for free agents because they know they have a quarterback who will probably make them look better than they are. So yeah, I, I think they should go all in on the offensive line, and they would they would do wonders if that was the case. If you're
2: a right tackle, hit free agency between the Chargers and the Bengals, both having money and both being Man. in these windows, buddy. The price the yeah. price is going up. The price is
0: going up. Yeah, go spend on that offensive line because they've they've got a chance to be a, a real problem. I, I love the Bengals' offense and Joe Burrow, so I, I want to see them be this good for a while here in the NFL. But let's get into this Rams and Bucks game. The Rams win it on a last-second field goal after some heroics from Matthew Stafford. They almost blew it. It was almost another ridiculous Tom Brady comeback, but for the most part... The Rams were in control in this game prior to the fourth quarter when some crazy stuff happened. I think the Bucks' offensive line uh, without Tristan Wirfs was just simply too injured. Uh, the Rams' pass rush for the second consecutive game was just lights out, and they were giving Brady problems all day long headed into this one. But he's Brady, and he'll still find a way to hit Mike Evans for like a 50-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter with Jalen Ramsey on him. But my biggest takeaway from this game Wasn't the Rams' pass rush in their defense and the way that it was playing against this team? Because you know, you trade for Von Miller, you already have Aaron Donald. You do that, you you trade away those assets to have this type of playoff performance from Von Miller, where he's been fantastic so far in two playoff games. It's the question marks that I had about Matthew Stafford at the end of the season where he was making really bad throws. Man, Stafford has been good in the playoffs, and they needed him to save them at the end of that football game. And he just hit Cooper Cup deep on a perfect football and got them into field goal range. Like Matthew Stafford, if I if I had to pick what my number one Super Bowl matchup would be, it'd be the Chiefs and the Rams right now because of the way Matthew Stafford is playing.
1: So Stafford has been bonkers against the Blitz. And that's been the case all season. I've been waiting for a regression to hit and it just hasn't hit. So if it hasn't happened yet, it's probably not going to happen. Teams, they, they come at him and like in this, in a similar sense as um, Burrow, he really doesn't flinch, man. And he just it. He will let it fly down the field. Give it a chance, uh, give it a chance to cup and cup usually makes a play. Uh, he made bowls pay time after time, after time when he bought the blitz. So I think, um, yeah. If anything, Sean McVay should be the blame here for the Bucs comeback because up until that final drive, the Rams had an 85% run rate in that game. Your quarterback is Stafford, who's been cooking against a Bucs secondary that's making mistake after mistake. I think McVay needs to understand that he has a quarterback who can actually throw now, and you can use the entire field as opposed to staying in your your typical conservative shell. But once he does that, and if – I would say if he does that, the Rams will be in the Super Bowl. but we don't have enough evidence to say that he will. But yeah, I man, Stafford is amazing. A uh, cup is cup. It's, it's it's cool that they're, they're featuring OBJ now. And I, I do have my, you know, I'm a little hesitant to, to think that they'll be able to block the 49ers, but Stafford's going to make plays down the field because he has all season. He did against the 49ers the last time they played. And I mean he, he had a couple of interceptions in that game but I don't know if those are you know those are going to be plays that are sustainable. How crazy is it that
2: basically we 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 think you know the favorites for both of these championship games only won because of clock management. I mean time management was huge in both of these games. I mean the fact that they went full zero blitz in that situation against Stafford who's the best like like you said he's the best like one to two to three progression quarterback in the league this year, I think. Um, outside of you know the Arizona game, the first time when he was just missing balls, the accuracy wasn't there, which happens, like those it, games it, happen. It happens. one game. You can you can deal with that, and then when he was obviously dealing with a ton of injuries, other than that, he was he's been the best, you know, one to two to three progression type of quarterback, you know, this season. Um, blitzing that guy in that situation is insane. And I know people are like, you know, balls. He's a blitz-heavy guy. He's a blitz-heavy guy. There's ways to blitzes and play zone behind it. Like, there's so many teams that play, you know, three back, three deep, three under stuff. Like, you you can do that. You could have a safety, just a guy who can rally and tackle. And if they throw into the middle of the field, guess what? You tackled him. You didn't give up that damn touchdown. At least you survive, you know, another play. And then, um, in uh, you know, the Bills game, obviously, like, the squib kick, that was kind of weird, especially when they have all three timeouts, which I think is – the super underrated part of that, right? Like you look at the difference between the end of that game and the end of uh, Dallas and San Francisco. The difference is timeouts, right? Um, and then the Bills just playing super conservative throughout. You know that that last drive, just letting Mahomes kind of move their way down the field. Like that didn't make any sense to me. I I, I think some of these teams. <sighs> so Tampa went end of game play. Right, they went end of game play. If we get a sack here, it's over. If they right. get a touchdown, we lose. That was too aggressive. Whereas you look at the bills and they were like, Yeah, just move the ball, you know, 40 whatever yards down the field and burn your timeouts and make it a field goal. That was entirely too conservative. Like in those situations, you still have to play football. That, that I know it's quote unquote situational football, but with these quarterbacks performing at the way that they are especially in these, you know, win or go home type of games, you still got to play football. You're not playing end of game plays until literally the final play.
1: So my question would be, Bowls, that's what he does. And we have, I'm sure we can go down other third downs in key situations throughout the season, throughout his career, saying like, this is who he is, that's what he does. On the other side, you would think that you would just play your normal defense, man. And that just kills me knowing that, 13 seconds, three timeouts. We're going to play everybody way back, and we're going to make a box around the sideline and give you everything in the middle. And When I say everything, I mean whatever you want to from the hash to the hash. Why? What were they thinking? Um, Tyreek Hill, very fast human being, going to be able to cover a lot of ground and not a lot of time. And they had timeouts. And they had timeouts. There was just no resistance at all. It was weird. Um, But I guess going back to what the Bucs did, so they blitzed the house. But I feel like the difference between the Bucs and in the situation for the 49ers, because they blitzed two safeties on the final third down, they double teamed, bracketed Devontae Adams. They sure did. You, Todd Bowles, left a 1,900-yard wide receiver one-on-one with a safety. And I, I think Antoine Winfield is a good player. I think Antoine Winfield is going to be developed into a very good player. He should not be guarding Cooper Cup 20 yards down go? the field with the two go in the middle <laughs> of the field. Yeah. Like what no player if you put Jalen Ramsey on cup in that situation, Ramsey's probably going to get beat. There's no player in the NFL who should have to go against that, especially in that situation. So he, I mean, he just held up, he held his guy out to dry there a little bit. And the issue, the real issue is just you didn't have to do that, man. If you want to blitz, that's fine. Have some guy over the top. You're not you're not going against Jared Goff anymore. He, like Stafford will make you pay for those one on one plays down the field, and sure enough, uh, that's what happened. Yeah, the coaching blunders all week it 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 took away a little bit from the games, but yeah, every game we went through just now it was, it was a really good game. Like the Bengals and the Titans, it was the worst game of the weekend. It would have been the best game in a lot of weekends. Yeah, the the other
2: thing too is like we've seen defenses lose this way before too. Greg Williams did it with the Jets against the Raiders and everyone clowned him. They thought that he was throwing a game. Remember that
1: there were, there were accusations that he was <laughs> throwing right. games.
2: Um, Green Bay at the end of the half in the NFC championship game where they had uh Kevin King one-on-one with Scotty Miller and he runs a, he runs a double move and, and just demoralizes Packer fans everywhere. We're used to that feeling, but just demoralizes him. Like we've seen teams lose in these types of situations. Like, Do not play cover zero late in the game. Why are you doing that? That's how you give up touchdowns. That's the one thing you don't want to do. Like, Play cover one. Send a corner blitz. Play zone behind it. Anything. Anything other than playing zero.
0: And we saw Spags do it to the Bengals a few weeks ago on third and 27 or something like that. And Jamar Chase absolutely roasted him for it. And for the Bucks, it's also not like you had shut down Cooper Cup throughout the game or something right, like right. that. Like he had already burned you for a 70 yard touchdown that day. So it's not like he hadn't said, Hey, you gotta, you gotta pay attention to what I'm doing. Like Cooper cup, you know who that dude is and what he's accomplished this season. You just simply can't allow that to be the situation that you put the defender in. Like it, it's, it was just, it was crazy that Cooper cup even had a chance to get that football.
2: One, one thing I want to touch on. Last thing before we get out of here, Steven, form, former former current Browns fan.
0: I'm still a Browns fan, but like I don't I, I don't live and die by it. I, I just I, I just kind of try to get excited when they win games, and and when they're not, I try not to be upset about it. That's good. Um, th- this isn't the point, but I saw uh, Baker Mayfield
2: off of the social media now, um, Bengals. <laughs> Bengals and Rams matchup in the Super Bowl. Will Brown's morale just hit like a three-year low? Because between <laughs> Joe Burrow being a number one pick, looking like a number one pick, left Ohio State, is now playing in-state with the Cincinnati Bengals, going up against Odell Beckham Jr. Like I feel like Browns fans would are sick to their stomachs just thinking about that matchup.
0: Well, and you're going into an off season where the debate's going to be whether or not you give Baker Mayfield a contract. And yeah. do we do
2: we give him fifty million dollars or do we cut him? I don't know. It seems like a hard decision. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Like,
0: we're going to be having those conversations here in a couple of weeks. Uh, now, I, I don't think it's a new low point because it's been worse with no no positive outlook in sight. And now I, I do feel like this window is feeling like it's like already closed on this Browns roster uh, because you were banking on Baker Mayfield being that dude, or at least (laughs) a little bit. And now you're like, he's not that guy. We're screwed.
1: Look at the Uh, quarterbacks in the AFC at the top.
0: Yeah. Oh, and there's that. And the AFC is loaded with young quarterbacks. Yeah. Good luck, man. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers for miles Garrett in two first. Who says no? (laughs) No Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's
1: do it. Let's get him on the phone right now, Steve. So when when OBJ does well, like are you are you rooting for him? Are you happy to see him? Or are were you like a guy who thought he was washed? And I, and I don't want to put you under the throw you under the bus if that was the case. But at, at the time, were you a Baker or OBJ guy? Because it seemed like there was you were on one side or the other. And then now, how do you feel about it?
0: Oh, I've always been an OBJ guy. Like after Baker's rookie season, I was really into him. Like, yeah, let's go. Baker Mayfield's going to be awesome. And then he's just made me kind of like him less and less as we've moved forward. And I've always loved Odell. I was so excited when he went to Cleveland and, it just never really worked out, and uh, I'm sorry that it didn't. But I was excited to see him perform well and against the Bucks this weekend. So I'm happy for Odell; he deserves it, cool. especially after the after dealing with Gettleman and everything in New York <sighs> too. So I just got a Slack ping from RJ, who might be the only
2: person on the NFL uh, podcast network who's doing worse than me. <laughs> it's one, two, three, four, five, five messages in a row with no reply from me. Two photos, and it starts with, "I know you know this, but man, McCarthy is such a fraud."
1: Oh yes, <laughs> you guys are gonna go this down
2: the rabbit hand, hole of rabbit handshake, holes. handshake emoji of just like pain, <laughs> yeah, pain,
0: yeah, that um, yeah. He jumped off the Mike McCarthy bandwagon quick, but
2: <laughs> he got and, ran over by it. He yeah, fell he out. and did, it backed up yeah. and then put it in reverse.
0: Yeah, but. Thank you guys for listening to this edition of NFL university. Uh, We will be back next week as after we know who is in the super bowl and discussing these title games. So make sure you subscribe, rate and review everything that we're doing on the SB nation NFL show. If you have Spotify, you can rate and review us over there now. So please do your part there. You can follow justice on Twitter at J U M O S Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys soon.